fresh off uh, their first goals and win of the season. I feel like I'm, t- I'm saying it like you're in the team. You're not in the team, but you're just you're just a fan. So Jalia Moten is back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, hey. Thanks for having me again. Great to be back. Um, <laughs> Wednesday night at the Hawthorns. That would have been a Premier League fixture a little while ago, but now it's in the EFL Cup. Um, yeah. What did you make of the game? Um, I can't lie. In the first part of the first half, West Brom were coming on to us and they were pressing quite high. I did think because playing out from the back at Arsenal is just a mess at the moment, I do think, here we go again. Like They're probably going to get a goal early and then it's just going to be a situation. But we managed to keep it nil-nil. And yeah, I, I thought we started to get control of the game. But I honestly, that's what you would expect. When we spoke about, um, when we had did the last podcast, we were talking about these sorts of teams and the score lines, you know, back in the day against the Norwich, you'll be thinking a 5-0 or 4-0. So that was kind of what I was hoping for. But, you know, with Arsenal's current form, you just never know how it could go. But I was I was happy with the way that it was refreshing to see them dominate a game. It was just like, oh, my God, OK, so you can dominate a game, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was good. For sure. And Ramsdale played in goal, right? Yeah, he did. He did. Never know, new keeper, putting a new keeper in, expecting him to be able to play out and do all that sort of stuff. That's a bit of a worry. Yeah, he did have a wobble. It was him and Rob Holding. Um, they came together and I did think, oh my gosh, it's good. something's going to happen here. And then they cleared it. But I thought, as you say, it's difficult as a new keeper to come in and be able to confidently play in that system, especially at Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, it was good to it was good to see him, you know, out there playing. Yeah, and Aubameyang looks just, I mean, it just looks like he doesn't have malaria anymore, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically, that he's recovered, which um, I was happy for him, honestly, because it kind of it was a throwback to his 2018-19 season where he was just banging in goals. Once he cut in, you just knew it was a goal. So it was refreshing as well. The whole game was just refreshing because you thought, OK, he seems like he's back and he needs it, genuinely. He does need it. Yeah, it yeah. was quite. I mean, it's a, quite a strong team, right? Like, I know there was. I think I counted five players who started the Chelsea game who started, but like Odegaard is gonna. He might not start every game, but he's gonna be a first team regular. Obviously, Saka yeah. played the Bamiang. Um, Pepe looked very lively. I saw like maybe twenty twenty minutes of the game in the second half because I was coaching, but it looked like every time he got the ball, he was just like so direct, so electric. Hundred percent going to be integral, especially Pepe looked quite sharp coming coming into this season and in this game as well he just looked quite just alert and just ready to be quite direct and going against players I mean a couple of times they started to double up on him but it was good to see him being direct and you know actually because at Lille that's what he was known for he was a very direct player that he was taking on players you know coming from the halfway line going straight to the goal through all players and it's good to see him doing that a lot more because he needs to do that a lot more at Arsenal mm. yeah it was good it's, good to see him it is it is hard for, if like if someone just pays massive money for you like you don't you don't go to a club and say please pay 70 million or pay, please pay 80 million for me you just do your thing and then someone signs you it is like that but you know what I think he built that reputation at Lille and and what is he worth 70 million the jury's still out but I do think that he has a lot of potential I do like him as a player I'm glad that Arsenal got him I just think like I said before 
the environment at Arsenal is not ideal. So being able to thrive in that sort of environment, you've got to have the kind of steely determination. And in the beginning, I didn't know if he had that, you know, but now it seems like he's starting to get used to the Premier League and know basically what he's up against. So hopefully he really fulfills, you know, that potential. Yeah, he needs to get used to the Premier League. Arsenal get, needs to get used to the Premier League, if I'm honest. Basically. Hey! <laughs> I mean, like, I didn't... I, I think it's weird, like, for, like, first league game of the season happening on a Friday night in itself is just weird. But, like, yeah. that Brentford game, I think, is probably as big a, like, wake-up call as you could have had, right? Mm, definitely. It was a sobering night for me because... I went into it quite optimistic, I'll be honest. I was, I said this season, I'm going to draw a line under last season and give, you know, Arteta and the team the benefit of the doubt. So when I sat there on Friday night and I was seeing what was going on, I just thought, yeah, here we go. Here we go. It's that sort of season. Because what I, what I, I know that we were linked with Ivan Tony at one point. And to be honest, the way he bullied our centre backs, it was actually embarrassing. And they and to be fair, they pulled up the stats on Sky Sports about Ben White's aerial drills, and he's he's not that good in the air. And I thought, yeah, we're in for it today because mm-hmm. Ivan Tony, as you know, he's he's that player. So yeah, it was it was yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it was I'm- a lot. Yeah, I thought that was, yeah, they, they talked about that quite a lot, didn't they? And he was going up was basically like, oh, Ben White's good with his feet. He's like, everyone's good with their feet. That's everyone's good with mm. their feet. That's the that's the standard now. It's if you can actually be good in the air that it's gone the other yeah. way. And Carragher said it as well, didn't he? He's like, that's that's what's going to set you apart when you play against someone like Ivan Tony, who like he just won everything sticks to him and it's just knockdowns and and that's how they got out. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I saw the highlights of that game. Um, looked like I don't know. Brentford just looked, looked lively, and apart from anything, it was just one of those I don't know. First first game back in the Premier League, fans there just kind of all came together. Like I don't yeah. think like Brentford aren't going to finish above Arsenal. I don't think. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just one of those kind of blip results. First game of the season, um, but yeah. definitely definitely a couple of things that would be that would be concerning. Um, and I went to Arsenal Chelsea. I managed to get a ticket. My friend couldn't go. And I was like, in my undercover agent mode, there is a Spurs fan. <laughs> I was like, the, the, the closest I could bring myself to to being in Arsenal, I wore my red hoodie. I was like, that's enough. I'll just wear my red hoodie. Had my had my cap on, kept my mask on. It was perfect. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know if Arsenal will play against... I don't know if Arsenal will play a game where the the... the kind of gap between how little structure and I don't know just like it also looked like I had no idea against Chelsea what the plan was mm-hmm. and Chelsea was so structured so principled everything was so slick that like 2-0 okay fine 2-0 you lose a game 2-0 but like Chelsea was so much better mm, it's the golf like you say you lose 2-0 but it's when you're looking at the golf between Arsenal and Chelsea is quite scary and you look at Frank Lampard was a Chelsea legend you know Mikel Arteta was is is not and was not an Arsenal legend and they still let him go in order to rebuild and get results and they sat Lampard they were in Champions League they got too cool and now it seems like they're really building a scary team so it's just to me I don't understand 
honestly what Arteta has said in that boardroom, what the plan is, but they just really have this unwavering faith in what he can do. And that Chelsea game, Tierney had a bad game defensively, but that wasn't his fault. I just think Arsenal are bereft of ideas. We just we just look clueless. And Chelsea and everybody else knows that Tierney is our main outlet at the moment. For the, for the even for the last couple of games of last season, that was what we were doing. We were playing it to Tierney. He was pushing the ball, running down the wing, and getting crosses in. So once they knew that, Reese James was just on and on. He was just he was just doing what he was doing, and that yeah. It was disappointing, but there's a massive gulf that we need to close. We can't take for granted how big the drop-off is going to be between Chelsea, City, Liverpool, Man U. I think it's yeah. them, and then there's a big gap. Like That gap might, might be like 10, 15 points, basically. Um, but yeah, yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea were just were so good. I felt bad for Tierney because fans were getting... I was sitting in with the Arsenal fans, obviously, and I'm, fans are getting onto him, yelling, look how much time space Reese James has. And I was like... If you're watching the game, like, there's only so much one player can do. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Like, they just, they just, they pinned him. They had Mount on him or whether it was Havertz, whatever. And then Reese James was coming on the outside. Yeah, it was just, just, uh, just, I think one of those games where you'll have to look back. And I think they did it on Sky Sports as well. I think I saw a little clip where they were basically saying, like, you know, this is how Chelsea created space down that side. And also Reese James, I reckon Reese James is in this, like, I can't believe I didn't play more at the Euros. Like, fuck all of you. I'm about to have the best season I've ever had. Genuinely. And I think, do you know what? He deserves it because he's a great player. I just think, yeah. It, and it showed in that game. It showed in that game. We allowed, and I'm sure Tuchel probably knew, you know, as I say, they knew that Tierney likes to get forward and they knew that they could overload and exploit that side. Because um, Cedric, even though God loves Cedric on the other side, he wasn't going to do anything. And I just think, yeah, it, it, we're, we're getting predictable, but hopefully with Erdegaard and with, you know, having maybe that dynamism, he's quite a dynamic player. He pops up everywhere. Hopefully it will give us a bit more of that fluidity, some different options. Yesterday you saw it with him popping up in like pockets and stuff like that. And then even Saka went into the 10 role and he was quite good there. So I just hope that now we have, we see a bit more dynamism and a bit more structure, hopefully. Hopefully. What what, yeah. what is the foundations of the team? Like, you're playing Man City on the weekend. Like, what what's the back four? Who are the midfielders? Because I just wouldn't be able to tell you what he'll do. I'll be quite honest, neither do I. Because <laughs> I don't... I'll be honest, because I would like to see Gabriel back, but I'm st- I think he's still injured. I don't know if Ben White's out of quarantine by then, but... It would have to be, because you can't have Kolasinac, what they did yesterday in centre-back. So it's going to have to be Mari and Holden probably at centre-back. Um, I have a side of him. I really like Tavares. I think that he's I think that he's really direct. He's really an attacking player. And I think he, he adds a lot to us. So I would like to see him maybe in the right-back instead of like Bellerin or someone. Yeah, I like... He's a left-back, but I would like to see him at right-back if he could do that. I think the midfield picks itself by force because we don't have Partey. So, Lukonga and Xhaka holding. And then either Emil Smith-Rowe or Erdegaard in that 10 role. But what Arteta was doing when we had Erdegaard last season was playing Erdegaard in the 10. And I think it was Emil Smith-Rowe on the left. 
yeah, he's playing on the left. So I don't know. I, I don't like that. I don't I don't think um, Smith Rowe is effective on the left. I think he's better in that 10 role. So I, I think they should do either, either or in the 10. And then Saka and Pepe on the flanks and Aubameyang on top. Yeah, Aubameyang has to play, right? Yeah, he has to. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one because there's, there's obviously there's talent there and there's players who can create and there's players who will make like even in the Chelsea game like Smith Rowe a couple of times he just gets the ball and he just is past three players so so mm. easily like it's just so easy for him. Um, yeah. So there will be there will be chances. I just don't. It's it's such a different test against City. Like there's no there's no like player like Lukaku for the centre backs to try and deal with. It's going to be so mm. much more movement. I don't I don't really know if I. If I like the idea of Rob Holding getting dragged out by De Bruyne or Sterling or whoever's going to really? play in the middle for City, He'll probably play Jesus wide because he's been doing that. Yeah. Like, I just, I, yeah, that that concerns me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a difficult one because depending on, I think they've been doing a four three three at the moment. City, I saw, and I don't know. It, it's going to be a lot on Jack and Lokonga, to be honest. Uh, trying to nullify Grealish, De Bruyne, is going to be a lot. But I think that, I, you know what, I'm, I can't even see a way. We, we just have to nullify everything. Everything, we just have to try and nullify their threat. And the midfield are going to have to be on them like a rash, our midfield. But it's just, it's just whether that's going to happen. And also, we're going to have to take our chances. So, Aubameyang can't be missing sitters that they have to be put away, like, clinically. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm i I'm trying to be optimistic this season, but against City, I, I'll be honest, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so this is how I was feeling going in. So Spurs beat Man City first game of the season. I was going into that thinking, no chance. Just humble brag. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. Um, I also like, like, like I had anything to do with it. Do you know what I mean? And now we've won two league games, and I'm like, oh god, poor Arsenal. I haven't won a game when Spurs have won oh. one nil twice. Got lucky in probably both games. But against City, like the way to beat them when we played them was just to have, like, you have to have someone who's capable of doing something amazing. We have Son. You have a Bamiang. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you just have to have. If you don't have that, then you then you don't really have a chance. At the, I think the thing, the thing with Hoiberg, he he is a bit wooden, but like he will, he will. I don't know. He's like the best version of Xhaka. Do you know what I mean? He's like if Xhaka has yeah. his best game, I feel like that's kind of the role that Hoiberg has there. Um, mm. And what what like Lucas for us in that game, he he's, he's dribbling so good. You put your best dribbler in the middle of the pitch where City have loads of players and they can just kind of hold onto the ball and get through and create a little bit of space. I think, yeah, I agree. That's why you put Smith Rowe in there over Erdogan in that game, just because he's so much better running with the ball and he'll get fouled and he'll try and break the game up and that gets you up the pitch um, and just give him the freedom to be able to to move around, basically. Um, Yeah, and also I did watch the... Tottenham Man City game actually, and Tanganga, he was oh my on to Sterling like whoa. I mean, I did think he was going to get booked. I did think he was going to get sent off the way he was onto him, but he was on. He was really on him, and I think defensively, that's also what we need because if we go forward and they break, and we've got, we don't want 
holding isolated we don't want mari isolated because honestly yeah. they when well, i watch them they drop and drop and drop and drop and so basically the artist in the goal i'm like just give them the goal <laughs> because you're not you know you're not going to tackle them so i think that's where tierney and i hope he plays tavares but that's they're attacking players so they're gonna have to be switched on because otherwise yeah definitely tanganga i actually liked him really good really good yeah, I mean, this is supposed to be an Arsenal chat, but I'm very happy to talk about Tanganga. So impressive. So, so impressive. He's like, yeah. he's just so, I don't know, he's so, he's so confident. Like, he just backs yeah. himself to win these, to win these duels, or at the very least, like, in, go put so much pressure on the ball that whoever the striker is can't go forwards. They have to go backwards. And then, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. I think, I think the key to Arsenal doing well is just going to... It's so boring to say, but, like, your centre-backs have to be good. If your centre-backs don't have a good game, it's just... There's no chance. And they... they like, Lukaku... I've, 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 the thing about the Chelsea game, for me, when I was watching, I was like, this is, like, 10% of what Lukaku does, but he didn't have to do anything other than the thing that's most easy for him. It's probably the thing that he did when he was, like, 14, which is just, like, mm. I'm taller than you, just give me the ball and I'll just roll you or set the ball. Um, yeah. And it was... Yeah, bullied. That's the only way. Like, you just like, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just don't know. Even whatever, whatever City do, whether they play central, whoever they play centrally, I just don't. I don't. I don't see Rob Holden being able to deal with it. I don't. Yeah, being honest, I don't either. Because even I was thinking about Ferran Torres, who likes to drop oh, off yeah, and get the ball him. in those pockets. Yeah, he really likes to play that false nine role and. If if yeah if they if he, if Rob Holden gets drawn out or Mari gets drawn out, it's just like yeah you you can see it being a bit messy, mm. very messy. So yeah, it depends on what City do. I think we're in for we're in for a treat. Mm. What's <laughs> um what's uh, Lokonga? What's his like? What's his ceiling? Do you think like how, how what what kind of season are we looking at if he has like a really really good year for Arsenal? Hmm. I, I personally would like consistency. So I think he's a really neat player. Doesn't really lose the ball a lot. Um, range of passing. Like, I don't know. One thing about Partey, Partey can play that ball through the lines. Like, a couple of times, you saw it a bit last season, Smith Rowe would be in the pockets and you'd find him, like, in these really tight pockets. And I really like that. But Lokonga, mm, I don't know if he has that in his locker. He just, he, he's a neat player. That's the way I see him. But a good player. He's also he's he get he will get he'll throw throw himself about. He's like he's a tackler. He's a real he's a so I don't know what his ceiling is. Do I think he'll get any assists or stuff like that? I, mm. But just consistency, like in games, keep the ball ticking, try and play those forward passes, and yeah, consistency for me. Mm. So you're waiting on Party to come back, and Party's going to play basically. Yeah, I, I I think so. If they play together. I, yeah, I think if they they could they could make a good pivot together. I'm just thinking, are they? I think they'd be solid because they're both a similar type of player in terms of the way that they uh, get about and tackle and pick up you know pick up loose balls and stuff like that. But I like to see from Arsenal, which was back in the day, like real technical people in that field in, the, in that midfield. Like we had Kazola those sorts of players who they were deep lying playmakers. So even if they were, you know, in that that role, 
they can still make things happen. I don't think we have that right now. So yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. I just don't know if, I mean, <laughs> Xhaka got booed so much at the Arsenal-Chelsea game. Mm. Like, there were just so many times where he either passed it backwards or lost the ball and everyone was just onto him. Um, yeah. But it seems like he's still... He's still going to play. I guess if Aubameyang plays, then he's not captain. But I don't know. I just, it just, it's, it's weird to think of the Arsenal team without him. But that's not because he's like an integral. I don't think he's like the best player. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's like one of those yeah. things where like he's going to be in the team. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you say that about the deep, deep line playmaker because I'm like, like who re- really like the players who do that stuff in the Premier League at the moment could also do so many other things. Like, did you see Basuma at the weekend? Yeah, he was. Like, he's, he's we were linked with him as well. I know, <laughs> but he's like he—he he can do it everything. He's just—he mm. just plays it. He's just in the middle of the pitch, and he can do everything. Um, so yeah, it's like I don't know, kind of like with the defenders, like you can be good with the ball at your feet, but you always have to be able to be good and win your headers. Like there's there's very and few he, players who can who can yeah. build up, who can tackle, who can play those forward passes, who can just be you know and create and go and get the ball from yeah. the back foot like yeah it's a it's a tricky landscape out there um yeah the thing with Xhaka that I don't know obviously his contract situation he's extended it and they didn't even post it on the Instagram he posted it but Arsenal <laughs> didn't so that was interesting I thought that was interesting I personally think obviously I'm not insider but I just think he hedged his bets because he wanted to go to Roma it seemed they weren't willing to pay his the asking price. And, you know, that felt because I think Mourinho would have wanted that kind of midfield general, you know, enforced person. So I think probably Mourinho did want him, but they weren't willing to pay. And he thought, well, Arsenal, Arsenal will keep me. They'll so, you know, I'll stay here then. Mm-hmm. I don't think he says um some fans have tried to romanticize it that he's staying loyal and stuff like that. I don't think so. I think he really did hedge his bets because if they played it, he would have been gone. I personally think so. Especially following the Euros. He he thought his price was up. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, that's that's like probably his peak value, wasn't it? Like some of the what yeah, game did he have? Was it against the was it against France where he was phenomenal? Like he was so, so, so good. Yeah, when it went, did it go to penalties? Yeah, went penalties and they won yeah. and he was so good. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. guys, funny how the Euros feel like so long ago, don't they? I know. Like a whole lifetime ago. That's crazy. Um, I did. There was someone I can't remember. I saw it. Someone did say something funny. Where obviously Saka's get like every ground Saka goes to now. Everyone's cheering him and everyone's loving him and making sure that he feels good. I did like. Yeah. I can't remember who said it, but it was someone like it would be funny if like the first fans to turn on Saka would be Arsenal fans because he just stops having a good year and like he's going around <laughs> the country and like Ellen Road and King Power. All these people are just cheering him and Arsenal fans are giving him <laughs> shit because he's like not having a great season. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It would be the way in it. It would be the Arsenal way. But I mean, yeah, Arsenal. I did see all the the outpouring for him at the at the ground, the training ground, and it was nice. You know, he deserves it. Honestly, he deserves it. I just, yeah. And I don't know if you've been around here in Holloway. He's got this um, this um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like on a wall near Highbury Station. Mural paintings on the side of the wall. Oh yeah, uh, is it like? It's on the side of that, uh, what's that chicken shop called? Pepe's? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or that other one. Yeah, I think I, know you, I think I know where that is. So, yeah, they're really getting behind him, which he deserves. So, yeah, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Um, 
Well, yeah. If Arsenal are going to do anything this year, he's going to be a big part of it for sure. And, for sure. And yeah, outside of some Tottenham-esque defensive performances, I don't see you. <laughs> I don't see you picking up points at the weekend, which goes, yeah, which means it's three. Like I think City will win, so that's three losses in a row. Let's just quick. Do you know the Arsenal fixtures off the top of your head, or I'll quickly look them up? If you look them up, I've, I've kind of, I'm invested, but not, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got Man City, then Norwich. Norwich at home, Christ, you have to win that. Yeah. Well, you you say that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So you got Norwich at home, Burnley away. Oh my God, Ben White's getting bullied against them as well. Yeah. They're going to do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, And then home to Spurs, 26th of September. I'm going to try and be there for that I'm buzzing for that already. You're going to try and be there? I'm going to try and be there, yeah. I know someone that has a season ticket, so I'm going to try and be there for that game. Yeah. So, Um, yeah. Yeah, well, exciting start to the year for fans who don't want to see Arsenal do so well he's picked up a little bit with a with a convincing win against West Brom you've got Wimbledon in the next round of the cup so that's got to be that's got to be that's got to be a win as well maybe you go on a cup run top half of the seat you finish top half of the table in a cup run that's the Arsenal season this year I'm afraid yeah it seems so it seems so but I guess yeah if we can go on a cup run I think that would add some much needed refreshment and just happiness among the Arsenal fans. Um, yeah, I think that would that yeah, that's what we could be clinging to this season to be prepared. God. So yeah. How times what have changed. <laughs> I've been out, you know what? No, I'm gonna be so you know, I'm gonna look for where Spurs finished. That's what I'm gonna look for. <laughs> yeah. So we've got actually no, we'll save Spurs, do Spurs another time. Um yeah. cool. Johnny, thank you. Arsenal, Arsenal on the ground reporter taking up, yes. taking up uh, opinions of supporters and uh, representing the fans. Yeah, voice of the people. I am. Thank <laughs> you, good job. You see ya. The gaffer. You get used to that. You're still a player in your head. Um, I think I'm getting used to it. I was I was the captain before, so the 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 group the group that I knock about with started calling me Skip in all situations, and now it's more like uh, now it's more like Gaffer, even some of my mates who don't play with us anymore. But uh, but yeah, I don't mind it. It's all right. You strike me as like even in a non-football setting though, you might be someone who organises things, who does a fair bit of admin to get things going around social situations yeah i think so within within the within the certain group yeah i probably would be that person yeah what would you say is the best team that you've played in as a player just like if you think about maybe when you were training or in games where you were like fuck these players are at a level that i want to be at without meaning to drop a name so when i was at university first team football at university at leeds i, I never really kind of broke in fully into the first team um, but we were coached by Ian Birchnell, who's now the um, Knox County manager. And before that, he was at Ostersunds in Sweden. And um, we, had, we had some, that was a proper football team, yeah. So I, I think I originally, from the trials, went into the third team, got an opportunity to go play in the second team and then sort of ended up being a bit of a 
almost like a, a reserve for anyone in the back four at, at the at first team level. So I was in and around the squad, but never really, never really broke into the team. But they were like, yeah, pro- proper football team, and they had a bit of everything. And we had some players who went on to do some some good stuff. That was like at university, you're training a couple of times a week, two games a week. And the standard was good and training was training was decent. And a lot of my coaching is definitely influenced by Birchie. Um, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I was living in Germany for a couple of years. And um, I played for a club out there and uh, sort of non-league or kind of grassroots amateur football is, was amazing over there. I absolutely loved it. The first season I played, I played in my club's um, second team. I was playing futsal at the time as well. So it kind of just worked in terms of how much time I had. But the, the pre-season, they asked me to come in with the with the first team. And we were training like four or five times a week in pre-season. So we nice. did things like uh, Sunday morning, we had a, or a Sunday, we had a training session in the morning, lunch all together at the club, and then had a friendly in the afternoon. And it was like not too dissimilar to to the sort of level I'm involved at now but just the way that the players were brought into that community and that club environment um, it was brilliant and I loved the coach there as well and I, I, I genuinely think that he made me a better player in the sort of three or four weeks that I trained with him in pre-season I was quite gutted not to go on and play that season because I came back for uh, came moved back to London for, for my job at Arsenal mm. Like when you say a coach made you better in four weeks, like how do they do that? How can someone do that? That seems like such a short period of time. I think it was him having a a, a plan of how he wanted the team to play and being able to link training to that plan. So it was it was just clear. So for me, it was, and and maybe because I'm a coach as well, I was I was conscious on the on a similar level to him of what he was trying to trying to do in training. So. Even if it was even if it was a passing pattern that he was showing that was mainly really about us getting touches of the ball, it was everything was linked to a pattern that he wanted us to be able to create in the game. Even little things like he 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 really wanted the ball to go forward all the time, and that probably wasn't my go-to all the time. I'd probably be a bit of a safe player sometimes, making sure that we kept possession. And I remember the first friendly I played within that first team and just the demand of everyone to get the ball forward and do it at pace. So I kind of had to get onto that level quite quickly. And yeah, so I think that link to everything that he'd done in training and the pace that we did it in training just made me level up a little bit. And it made me understand my position better, I think. Mm-hmm. I know you as a midfielder, central midfielder. Do you think there's a? Do you think there are things that players just need to be able to do regardless of what position they play? Well, so I played fullback at the time, and um, probably because I mean you see it a lot, don't you? You see players being able to fill in at fullback, and I think every, every football player really could probably do a decent job at fullback. Um, so I and I'm. Yeah, but I'm pretty both footed, so I could play right back or left back, and it, so I could cover both of those positions. And then if, and then our right back at the time was the next centre back. So if one of the centre backs got injured, he would play there, and I'd play right back. So that kind of um, 
that was where I could be the next one, regardless of any of that back four that got injured. And I think I could play, if I was to drop down a level, I could probably play wide midfield, which is what I did eventually. But yeah, I think probably I'm, I'm not I'm not a particularly good defender. So it was me being in that position was for, for an attacking purpose. But yeah, I think like everyone should have an understanding of the roles that other players that other players have and I think doing that helps you in your main position mm. yeah for sure I always think I think fullback and centre mid there's so many parallels you want players to be able to like receive the ball both sides of their body you want them to be thinking to like go forwards pass forwards run forwards um and like, I don't know, just even like some of the body shapes on the pitch, I feel like are so similar. If you're centre mid, you might be trying to show a team one way. If you're a fullback, you might be trying to show them outside or show them inside. Um, and yeah, like when Philip Lahm just became, it was just, he was, you know, he's probably the, mo the most successful example of it recently. It was just like, oh, I'll play him here or play him here. It doesn't matter. You can do similar things. And Kimmich now, obviously, is just ridiculous. I guess the, the difference is, I think, and, and this is why I think a lot of people that I played with before always thought that I should be. I should play more centrally because I always drifted into the middle of the pitch. But I never felt like I could play in there because I, if I was marked in there, I was in a bit of trouble. And I could, I could do stuff in the middle of the pitch if I wasn't marked. But drifting in there from wide meant that whoever was in there on the opposite team wasn't expecting me to be there. But I think that's the big difference between that and fullback is that the game's all around you where a lot of the time you receive the ball at fullback, you can probably see where the pressure's coming from. When you're in the middle of the pitch, you don't necessarily see that. If it's someone like Lahm or Kimmich playing kind of in that pivot role, they probably can see the majority of what's going on in front of them. And I think the real, like, I guess the real special players, I think I think people like Thiago, although he's, he's kind of felt a bit disappointing at Liverpool so far, but the his ability to to know what's going on behind him without showing that he knows what's there is just is incredible. That little fake he does over his shoulder is ridiculous. Uh, that's and regardless of what level, if I if I I try and tell my centre midfielders to to check their shoulders, but I play in there and I know that I don't do it particularly well. And it's so, I just think it's so difficult to do. So that's what kind of makes those players who can do it, I think. So seeing me that little bit more special. Mm. Uh, yeah, Thiago's like one of my favourites. I saw him play for the India, Spain under-21s final in like 2013, maybe. And like ever since then, I've just been, like, I just, just love him. Um, do you think, well, how much of your coaching now is influenced by the fact that you're, that you're playing a lot too? Um, ah. I don't think my I don't think it is necessarily I don't think it's influenced by the fact that I'm playing. I part of the reason that I've I'm I'm a player manager is because I'm sort of fed up of poor coaching. So I I love playing and I still I still and I've still got I think a good few years left where I can play, but I don't want to play in like a a team where where we're just making it up as we go along. Um I want like I think from if you are a coach and there's there's access to so many good resources now, there's so many good, like so many co top coaches in the Premier League where you can watch their teams and see a plan. Um, 
I think that's where the game's slightly different now. There's even if you look at probably going to go on a bit of a tangent here, but if you look at like the difference between Man City, say, and like Arsenal when we had the Invincibles, there there's no way that the Arsenal Invincibles had a plan like Man City's got, and there's no way that I, I think I look at that Man City team and I don't think there's that many like real like superstars. Like they're just they're just so well organized, well drilled, and so well versed in what they what they want to do and what the manager wants them to do. That it's just that they're just almost impossible to play against. Um, and I think there's I'm a little bit conscious of giving players too much and taking away freedom and autonomy. But I do think that like we try to get the way that I'm trying to coach my team is to have an understanding of how to get out of certain situations, an understanding of how to create certain situations. And then when we get into certain positions, then to kind of freestyle and do your thing from there. Um, and that's kind of what I enjoyed playing with, with Birchie at, at Leeds and then with the coaching uh, with Germany. That's the kind of feeling that I was starting to have. And yeah, and then now I kind of, I get the I get the double benefit of being able to coach it and see other players trying to put it in practice, but being part of it on the pitch as well. Mm. And do you find yourself like with your under 18s thing, for example? Do you find yourself running sessions that you'd want to be a player in? Yeah, and I think I, I think everyone you should everyone should do that. I mean, if you didn't want to play in it, then then why why would you do it? Because I I don't think that matters that that that's any different from if you're coaching a seven-year-old or if you're coaching an under 18 just because they're older doesn't mean they should should have to do something that's more boring than if you're a seven if you're coaching a seven-year-old like the content might be different but if you've got an 18 year old standing out at right back watching you coach a center midfielder and a center forward and he hasn't touched the ball for half an hour doesn't matter if he's 18 or seven he's going to be bored out of his skull um so yeah, I, I mean, I like definitely put on practices that I would want to play in, practices that I've enjoyed playing in with other coaches, and I think also now like at a point where I can design practices that I want ha have a target of what I want to get across in the session, and design something that I think will be enjoyable, but also be open to if the players turn around to me and say no, I'm not not enjoying this one, then then I'll be reflective enough to go, right, well, maybe that one needs a bit more work or maybe that one doesn't work. Mm. I had that yesterday with a session. We had quite a big group. And so I basically had it like split into four and I was going around and it was the first time it occurred to me that like, well, first time it occurred to me in, th in that sort of setting with, with Goldigans that like these different groups need different things. And rather than try and like come up with something myself, I was just like, like do you think this needs changing? Like, are you... Do, do you, do you, would you change this in some way? And like three of the groups changed it and it was way better. One group kept it the same and it was great. But the three groups that changed it just like made the pitches a little bit bigger and added and like it was, it was like, it was a little bit of an overload. So they just made the overload a little bit smaller and it was so much better, like so much more intense, so much more fun. Like the ball stayed in play so much longer. It was just, yeah, that was, um, that was because I don't play now. Like even on Tuesday night, I stepped into a session for the first time and, so long that I've like worn boots and kicked the ball and I was like this is very different it's very very different um 
But yeah, you said good teams have plans. What's the what's the plan with Arsenal? Because I went to the Emirates last week and I couldn't see it. Hmm. I I, I actually think that um, I think we I think we've got a plan, and I think this is actually where we're probably quite similar to to Cuffley in a way. I, I think there's a a fairly clear plan from the goalkeeper from the back four through the midfield. I think where the, where where we're not, where the plan's not mastered is is further up the pitch. I think that's where that's where we're having a problem. And I think last year that was really clear in the in the part before Christmas where we just we didn't look like scoring at all. After Christmas, like the introduction of Smith Rowe and Erdegaard came in, Saka started to feature more. It was like, okay, there's a there's more of a plan here. And I think a big part of the plan is Tierney. Um and I think you see in the I think the the positions of, of the players and they showed it after the Brentford game, like Tierney's the highest player up the pitch. I think even further on than the centre forwards. And that does get a lot of success. And I think you could see see little bits in the Chelsea game where, where they were trying to create similar similar things that we did um, against. I put together some analysis last year after a uh, after the Arsenal-Man City game where we lost 1-0. Um, and we did something at, at, um, at work with a group of sort of trainee coaches. And we were doing some post-game analysis and the boys were all came into the session like fuming about the game saying that we were, we were useless and I showed them some clips that I'd put together and I put I had about 15 clips or so where it was Xhaka into Saka into Tierney and you could see and it worked it, it didn't we didn't really create anything clear-cut but that was often because the final ball wasn't good enough or it just didn't quite happen in the final third but you could see the plan and a lot of the boys were like oh yeah I didn't see the game like that yesterday like it looked completely different so I think there is a bit of a plan of, of getting Tierney on the ball higher up the pitch I think that, I think we've got a problem at right back where like none of the right backs are are the same and probably it's an area where we're where we're maybe not quite where we need to be so that so the plan on the right hand side is different to the plan on the left hand side which I think could work if we were, if we had the same right back every time, um, and actually it's why I, I prefer Cedric when he plays there. I think he offers us the offers us the best option. But I think we yeah we struggle to we struggle to have anything clear around the final third. the The biggest thing that I think is is something where we look to create often is. Tierney getting on the ball higher up the pitch and it's the cutback to the kind of penalty area or even he I mean his delivery whether it's penalty spot six yard box or or a cross into the box is 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 up there and I think he's he's up there with the best in the league I think I think he'd get into most most sides and he's I don't know what we would do without him at the moment to be honest. yeah when um when he signed there was a chat that was like he's a better player than Robertson and I was like Pfft. Like, have you watched Liverpool the last couple of years? But now I'm starting to think that he, like, he's he's so good. What's he got? A little? Has he got a little injury? Minor thing? I think it was. I think it was cramp. Oh, I think okay. as from what I've seen, yeah, I think he's all right. But 
Because, yeah, he was limping off the pitch and I was in with the Arsenal fans for the Chelsea game and they were just like, fuck, there goes our season. I was like, yeah, yeah probably yeah. not far off. But it, it made a huge difference when he, I mean, when he didn't play last season, we had no left back in the squad, really. Cedric had to play there and just, and I thought he was okay there, but he, being off his weaker foot, that really impacted how we could play there. And, um, Xhaka went in there left back towards the end of the season and and kind of done all right. But then I feel, I feel like we're 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 a weaker team when Xhaka's not in the middle. I know a lot of people a lot of people get frustrated by him, but I think yeah, I think we're not as as good a side when he's not there. Um, but yeah, I think our biggest plan I think from what I can tell is around is around getting Tierney on the ball as high as we can. Erdegaard Erdegaard helps helps us to be creative and it helps us to get possession further up the pitch and keep possession further up the pitch. Um, watching the Chelsea game on Sunday, it's interesting because I don't, I don't feel like we can just dominate possession. And, and if they wanted to, Chelsea on Sunday probably could have just kept the ball from, for 10, 15 minutes. It was only out of their own kind of desire to go into Lukaku and try and score that that we nick the ball off them and then we couldn't just dominate possession there. Mm. Yeah, I was like, that is, I think of the games I've been to recently, I went to Spurs City, that where it was, yeah, City so clearly like structured and uh, yeah, you could just tell like what, what they want to try and do. Spurs are like kind of finding their way a little bit. There were a couple of moments where it was like, okay, like the reason Lucas is in the middle is because he can just hold on to the ball just retains it so well gets past like two three players and th- and then there's options but very very different and then Arsenal Chelsea like that Chelsea team is so structured and so like principled that whatever like what it, when you're going to play against a team like that if you're if you if, if there's a if there's a phase of the game that, that you that you're not sure of what you're going to do that you're just going to lose the ball like that's just what's going to happen um, but for, yeah. for me, that game was like that game was no, it was no real crisis. Like there was enough in that game to make me feel to to make you feel it, like ha- there were some positives in there. And like we we lost two 0 to like the champions of Europe. Like, yeah. It's not. Uh, I think if that was the first game of the season, there'd be no stress. Yeah. Especially given like the players that are are not there. Yeah. I think um, Lukonga looks quite decent. I think there's there's a few bits that that probably people thought he was going to come in and and play a bit part, but I think he looks like he could be useful. And like when Party comes back in, it, it's a it's a different. It looks it looks very different in there. Um, but yeah, losing that game's no uh, no big stress. But then obviously coming off the back of the Brentford game, and then knowing you've got City in the next game yeah. is what makes it what makes it different I think yeah it gets compounded doesn't it how would you game plan to to, to play City I don't uh, I don't think we can uh, like, again we won't have we won't have the ball so I think more so Sorry, just in... to stop you stop you on that is that that's that's a relatively new thing right that just like before the game it's just like right we're probably not going to touch the ball as much so We've got to be ready for that because I don't remember preparing for games or thinking about teams that I supported or whatever. Where that was, that was just we just that was just the thing. 
Do you mean for Arsenal or just in general? I just mean generally in football, that like going into a game, you could say they're going to have the ball more or we're going to have the ball more. Um, I, I think it's probably, I think there's probably some of the teams that you would have expected previously to have the ball. Or like for a team like Arsenal, you would never expect Arsenal to set up not to have the ball. Like, even though I think for a longer time than people realised, we haven't really been that good at dominating possession. But so I think for some teams like that, it's uh, like there's some of the teams that are lower down that will just sit behind the ball and have done for years, I think. But I think it's probably more common that more teams have to do it against City, against Chelsea and whoever those kind of, whoever's the at the top at the time. Not necessarily, oh yeah, Liverpool, you probably don't tr like try and keep possession because they're just so good at taking it off you and they're most dangerous when, they're, when you've got it. Um, but yeah, I think for Arsenal, it's definitely, for Arsenal, it's definitely a new thing for us, for it to be our plan to win the game is to not have the ball. Mm. I think that's definitely a, a thing in the last last few years. And Arteta's had some success with it, to be fair. He's had some success in, obviously, in the City game and the Chelsea game in the FA Cup when he first came in. And even uh, even that season, towards the end of that season, he had a, I think he had a bit of success against some of the better teams by not having the ball. Um, we did it against City last year, but the problem is we conceded after a minute, and then from then you're in you're in uh, you're in trouble. And then you, it just means that you've got to be so efficient when you go forward. And I don't, I mean, we could be, but the chances are that at the moment that that we won't be. But I don't know. Mm. So yeah, sorry, you're you're playing City at the weekend. If you were coaching Arsenal, what would your what would your plan be? I try to think in terms of in terms of what we've got available. I, I'd, I'd probably have Aubameyang up front with with Saka and Pepe either side. For that, if it, if it's counter attack, you want players who can who can carry the ball, who can who can if we can get in behind, you can who can put City under pressure. I think Saka and Pepe are both actually quite good defensively. They both work pretty hard defensively. I think Pepe probably doesn't get. As much credit as he as he should for that. I mean, we I don't think we have a lot of choice in the way that we'll set up. He he always plays. I mean, now it seems like Pablo Marie's more in these in favour anyway. But he always plays him against City. I think he made his debut against City, and part of me wonders whether that's like he was at City, wasn't he? And when Arteta was there, and whether it's like he understands what they're going to try and do. Infiltration. Um, yeah, it, it it's weird because I think he I think he made his debut against City, and he only lasted about half an hour and got injured. But I thought it's a strange game to throw someone in for their first game. But we defended really last year in that game where we lost one nil. We defended. It was quite strange. Like you'd see Pablo Marie and you'd see Holden marking like De Bruyne or Gundogan inside their half when they had a goal kick. And then Jack would fill in at centre back, and it was there was obviously a plan around it. And I'm like, as much as I'd like to think I understand and can analyse what they're doing, like I, I didn't, I, like that was a bit that was new. Um, so I'd be interested to see what they do, but 
it's funny you, you mentioned the Tottenham game where Tottenham beat them one nil. Like when when City have that possession against Tottenham, I think Tottenham was set up quite well, and it never really looked to me like City were going to score. Um, after yeah. Tottenham had scored, that was like yeah, before yeah. when it was nil nil. Like you felt like City could have scored, but after it went one nil, I think Tottenham had a pretty good, were pretty well set up to stop them playing. I, I, maybe maybe we're just not good enough at defending to be able to keep that out. One thing that we miss when we're when we're defending like that is party's ability to to kind of break a press whether it's with a pass or whether it's driving out past players he he he's good at that sort of fake pass that shifts past the player and gets us out of that pressure i think lukonga's quite good at that as well but doing it against city's a bit of a different animal Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. The Spurs, I think it's a, it's a decent blueprint. It's obviously great for Spurs. Happened first game of the season to beat Man City, but like not bad for other teams to be able to look at that and be like, okay, this is yeah. You might not have the players like Son's ridiculously good. He can score from outside the box, you know, re- relatively frequently. Um, and yeah, you know, they were missing players and all that sort of stuff, but did pretty well. Um, yeah, but that, but a big part of a big part of Spurs that day was Tanganga. Like he's just he's so confident in his ability to defend that he just went to put pressure on the ball and was just he just backed himself not to get like turned or wriggled rounds. You know what I mean? And it was like if I give away a foul, I give away a foul. Just there's no there's yeah, no way that, of getting the ball to turn. Yeah, I think that was part of it though. That kind of nastiness, like, like if you if you're gonna get past me, it's probably gonna hurt. Mm. I think he's and it's like do you fancy that or not so it's like that one where he like he dribbled Grealish like five yards yeah 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 what what I loved about it and I've seen loads of people like post that little clip of him dribbling him up the like up the right hand side but then no one really showed the bit where afterwards he come back and he sort of tapped him on the shoulder as if to say oh sorry sorry mate yeah yeah I think he (laughs) which I loved even more but he can get away with that because he's like this young kid, do you know what I mean? He's like, oh, oh, sorry, it's, just, it's my it's my first year, so I, I I didn't really know that I wasn't allowed. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think you've got. Uh, I I don't think you're going to win, but that's okay. You've got. I'm mean, excited for Spurs Arsenal. That's going to be a good game. That first one's at the Emirates. That will be a good benchmark of where both teams are at. Yeah, and I think in, it's interesting because in the last couple, the last couple of years, I think it, it's been a bit of a flip where Arsenal have dominated those games, not necessarily in terms of results. That, that it's been a bit mixed, but there were times where a few seasons ago where we've had to go right. Well, we're not going to have the ball as much. It's, it's closer to fifty-fifty, but we're like you're almost going into it having to accept being the underdog a little bit more but I felt like last season in particular we were like you know, I went into those games being more confident that we were going to dominate the ball and we were going to create and that if if we were going to lose like it might have been like where Tottenham had beat City and and they've nicked it and um so I, yeah I mean I think I think it's a bit more even now um depending on who we've got uh coming back in, who who's back fit by that time, I think. Yeah, hopefully we'll be all right by then. Um, but we'll see. Depends how see how uh, how Kane will be slotted back into that uh, to that side by then. 
it's a joke, isn't it? We've got the best player in the league coming back into the team. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm really surprised he stayed. It's a whole separate thing, but like, I really thought someone was just, I thought, I thought the City were going to buy him. I just thought that was what was going to happen. And I think they did the whole, I said this when my friend Jack was on, he's like, they, why did they go for Grealish first? Should have gone for Kane. Do it all for Kane, spend whatever it takes, and then you use your leftovers to, to, to get Grealish. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm excited about Spurs. I'm excited to see Arsenal, maybe not fall apart. I don't want them to fall apart. I want them to slowly combust. Do you know what I mean? Like a like a really, yeah, just like a, a really painful, lots of internal division, all that sort of stuff. Um, that'd be fantastic but, to watch. <laughs> I think I think that's the bit that Arsenal fans will probably slyly kind of enjoying with the Kane thing is like, like I'll be honest like I've been nervous about like about Spurs it's not even about Spurs and Arsenal anymore like I think we're both at the point where when we play each other we could like either team could win like obviously history is on our side and it and it's like if I have a, an argument with a Spurs fan now it's not like I'm not whether I think we are or not, the argument isn't whether we're better. It's like until you win something, yeah, yeah, like yeah, we're, we're or or until you win consistently, like we still have the upper hand a little bit. And it felt like you were at that point where it was going to happen. And I was thinking, oh, this is awful. Champions League final, and I thought, oh, if they they win it, my niece was born. My first uh, niece was born on. The day of the Champions League, Champions League final, I was so stressed. <laughs> Honestly, I was so stressed. I've got one uncle who's a who's a Spurs fan amongst a family of Arsenal fans, and he would have been in his element, and her birthday would have been ruined for forever. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's kind of got gone past that point a little bit, and I'm not really worried about Spurs winning things. Partly because I think too many of the other teams have strengthened, like. I can't really see. I, I think my prediction would be Chelsea to take the to win the Premier League this year. And I said that kind of maybe even before Lukaku came in, but him coming in now, like Tuchel just just seems like a joke, really. Yeah. But I think that with Arsenal, what you're saying about Arsenal imploding, like we're the biggest problem. Like the fans, fans are our biggest problem. Like we've got we've put the youngest. I think we had the youngest side out in both youngest average age of a side out in both of the first two game weeks and you think like I, I'm not sure that another manager would would be doing better than Arteta like it's quite clear there's a good coach in there. there there might be things not going completely to plan but it's a young side it's clearly a rebuild and like, we sign players that people get excited about in the summer like all the England players were raving about Ben White we took we, we signed him he has one game where he's not unbelievable and all of a sudden it's a bad signing like the Ramsdale stuff is crazy like other than the price tag I don't really understand what people are stressed about but if the manager wants to buy this keeper then let's just get behind him and see if he's see if he's decent yeah then I saw one one pass yesterday and all of a sudden people are saying he's going to take Leno's position it's like yeah 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 <laughs> no it's funny it is funny 
I think the Ben, the ben White thing is just one of those things where it's so glaring. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a, a, a really big, good striker just has a good game and it's like, oh, what are we supposed to do? What we can't, you can't defend? And like Gary Neville did that thing where he's you no, know, everyone's good with their feet. You've got to be good in the air. Carol goes, oh, you've got to be good in the air. Um, and then, yeah, I think the playing out from the back thing, I said to, um, to my friend Joe, was on as well. She was like, you had, there was that moment early in the game and I'd, I'd feel nervous if like a new keeper came in and there's like a moment of a wobble. Like, oh God, and probably Arteta's on the sideline thinking, fucking hell, please don't give a ball away playing out the back. Then it's just on me. You know, there's only how there's only so long you can say it's my fault, it's on me. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think we'll yeah. There, there's there's games now where you think we like you go into them unfortunately thinking, well, it's a write off, yeah. If, if you get anything out of it, it's a it's a it's a bonus. Yeah. But uh, there's there's obviously still some some top players in there and you have to like take some pleasure from the fact that players like Smith Rowe, like he he's gonna go on and be a top player, like Sacco is gonna go on and be a top, top player. And I think that that's actually something that for quite a while we haven't had. I said this for a while about Kane, like we we missed that thing of like a hundred million pound player that you've just created yourself. Yeah, and we haven't had that for for as long as I can remember, and I think someone like Saka, like without you buying players and then selling them for more money, like can you create something that is that that valuable an asset for your club? And I think we've got one or two of them at the moment. Yeah, so we've got potential to build some some good stuff around them, and they're going to need to make some good signings. They're going to need to coach them well. But I think there are there are some there are some positives. I, I'm a bit of a I'm always a bit of an optimist around Arsenal, so maybe I'm a little bit naive, but I think there are some some positives there. And I think those players, Tierney, Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli, Party, there's there's some there's some top players there. I hope hopefully it'll come good. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> Drew, thank you. Appreciate your time. Nice one, mate.